This is Radicalize the Roots, a podcast where we dig deep into radical conversations and unearth the roots that propagate this capitalist, white supremacist, patriarchal world. Hiya, Megan here. I just want to introduce my guest for this first episode. She is Polly Sotomayor. She is my friend um, who is a pro-intersectional activist and nomad living in Mexico. She has been doing activism for 20 years now and starting with environmentalism. And then five years into that, she added feminism to her roster and most recently, six years ago, bringing anti-speciesism activism into the mix. She has a master's in communications and politics and a PhD in social sciences. She is a force to be reckoned with and has the absolute biggest heart. I love her so much. For this first episode of Radicalize the Roots, Polly and I discuss how exclusion as well as misogyny and other oppressive behaviors are rampant in the mainstream animal rights movement, specifically in the big organizations. A quick content warning, sexual harassment and rape is brought up, also the threat of those and murder as a result of doing activism. Okay, without further ado, here is our conversation. Okay, here we are, Radicalize the Roots, the first episode. I am Megan, and I am here with the incredible Polly. Welcome, welcome. Well, hello. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode one. Yes, it's going to be so good. And thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited for this. I really think it's important to talk about um, land acknowledgement and where I am, the land that I'm on, and about colonization. And so I thought we could just step into our conversation with regards to that, because I have no idea about everything that is and has happened or is happening in Mexico. That's where you are. But I'll just speak to where I am. I'm on the stolen and unceded Coast Salish territories of the Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Skohomish nations. And I'm wanting to, at each episode, try to do something different and learn something different about that land um, to share with everyone because um, it definitely turns into something that is just static and just robotic, it seems like, when folks get into doing land acknowledgements. So yeah, I'm going to dive into that and see what what comes. What is the land that you're on? What's what's going on over there, Polly? Well, right now, I'm in Tepoztlan. Tepoztlan is a very small town, but it's near to Mexico City. It's like hour and a half, but you do have to drive in a big highway because it's another state. So Tepoztlan, it's in a state called Morelos, and uh, it's the original name uh, I think it is, but uh, we're not so sure about that. Why? Because, well, Mexico is a country that was um, stolen <laughs> and was colonized by Spanish people. So a lot of the names of the cities changed because of that. But it's not the first time that colonization happened here in Mexico because before uh, we have these uh, conquerors from Europe, we did have some conquerors from our own um, our own continent. So, for example, uh, there has been a really long list of uh, indigenous communities and different populations living in this country for a very, very long time, for thousands of years. And uh, still we have a lot. We have more than 60 different um, communities, indigenous communities and different languages. But uh, the ones that were like the, uh, the conquerors on the time were the Mexicas. Uh, they are the ones that people, uh, foreign people, call Aztecs. But in here we call them Mexicas. And so the Mexicas were the ones conquering everywhere. And so they had this language that was called and still is uh, an alive language that it's called Nahua. And so Tepoztlan, it's in Nahua. So that makes me think that um, the Mexicas conquered this land, right? But uh, surely there might have been before 
a lot more different communities because uh, this land, the one that I am here right now, it's a land that has pyramids and has a very long list of uh, communities that used to be here uh, a long time ago. So I'm not so sure if uh, Tepoztlan is the first name that this land had, but surely it's one of the first ones. Wow, that's so interesting. There's so much that is that goes on within so all the different countries, and I think that that's what we're going to be talking about today, right? Because how we met was through, we both used to work with the Animal Save Movement. And the first time, I think the first time that I saw you slash met you was on one of the working group calls, the rescue working group. Is that right? Yes, it is. And so since then, we have both uh, departed ways from the Animal Save Movement and the, and what our conversation and what we're very excited to talk about today is we can speak to our experience in within the save movement but also just all encompassing the problematic shit that goes on when organizations get huge and when um, specifically because of our experience within animal rights we can speak to that but you've done all sorts of other things as well. So where would you like to begin? <laughs> we can uh, start talking about the main issues that might have been happening for a very long time in the animal rights movement, because I think it's not just on SAFE, it's something that it's happening mm-hmm. in different organizations. And I think that uh, from my point of view, this is happening uh, also because of colonization because we are having these big organizations that are mainly uh, having uh, groups of VIP persons that have this power to take some decisions. And these people tend to be people in the northern part of the globe, um, people that it's white. And so that is something that is creating a huge problematic. And for me, that's something that I have seen happening for a very long time. I have been doing Uh, animal rights activism for six years, but also I have been doing activism since 20 years ago because I started when I was really a little kid. And what I have been looking at is that uh, the main issue is one, this problem of not trying to understand what's happening in different contexts, but also uh, the not understanding of uh, we're having this movement that it's mainly a female movement so uh, worldwide we are the 83 percent of the movement we are female we are women and so we of course need to have our rights to be respected in order for us of course to thrive but as well just to be able to do our activism work and so this is something that it's not happening in a lot of the organizations and so we have been looking after different problematics because of misogyny, because of uh, men trying to tell women what to do, what to say, what not to say. And also, it's not just problematic around men. I have to say that there's a lot of women that have not acknowledged that we are living in this um, world, that it's having a patriarchy, that it's having this systematic violation of our rights and how to express ourselves and how to live. And so there's also a lot of women that have been trying to shut off our voices and the way that we are doing activism and our leadership. And that it's something that unfortunately happened to me on uh, the Animal Safe Movement. Yes, and you're talking about um, the video that you created I just watched it again earlier today. It was called We Need to Fight for Total Liberation. Misogyny is a Monster. And I I watched that video when it first came out and I was just overwhelmed with what was shared in those just under four minutes. And then I was even more shocked and just disheartened to hear that you were asked to edit your words. Do you want to share your experience around what happened with that? Yes. So, yeah, unfortunately, it was a really uh, hard time for me. I remember that um, 
I spend like a whole month crying every single day because of this situation. But let me give you a little bit more of the context. So I was asked to do this video. So because I was having this conversation through emails uh, with a lot of people uh, from Animal Safe, and we were talking about what's happening in Latin America with women and with the feminism movement because the feminist movement in Latin America is really strong and you can see it pretty much everywhere in the streets. You can see it in young uh, women, you can see it uh, really everywhere. So it's very empowering. And so at that moment of time, we were talking about uh, beginnings and ends of February of this year. Uh, there was uh, like big, uh, a lot of marches were going around, not just here in Mexico, but in Chile, in Argentina, in Bolivia, in Ecuador, like pretty much everywhere in all Latin America. So even though we are different countries, we do share a lot of our culture. So uh, we were also trying to hold like this big block of activism, of, of female activism against the misogyny. Because even if we have this big uh, movement of feminists, we still have a lot of violence. And so that's the reason why we need to have uh, such tremendous uh, big amount of strong activists because the violence is uh, really horrible in here. And so we were talking about what was happening in these uh, emails, in these threads, and uh, I was called to do a video and to talk about my perspective and to talk about what I have been living in Mexico as a feminist activist that it's also an animal liberation activist and so I said okay I, I will do that but initially I didn't want to do it because this was the first time publicly that I talked about what happened to me in Mexico and so what has been happening is that I have been doing feminist uh, activism for the last 15 years and in the last five years, I had been a target of a lot of uh, violence that it's not just people bullying me on social media, not just like a couple of persons. Like there was a time where I was receiving more than 300 messages daily of men saying that they were going to rape me. They were going to find me. They were going to kill me because I was speaking up, talking about what was happening in 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 Mexico with women and women in general in the whole globe. And so this was happening and it, uh, it, it escalated like a lot because there was a moment where it was not just that, but I was started to be harassed in my uh, work in, in the place that I was working at the moment because uh, I, I used to be an academic. <laughs> so I was working on a department of the the PhD of social sciences in a autonomous university in Mexico City. And so I was working there, I was doing research, I was doing a lot of things. And then I started uh, to see that there was this big group of men that started to uh, create a network of more students and people to start um, talking about me and ask that I should be sued because what I was doing is that I started talking about the problematics of uh, animals that were used in experimentation inside of laboratories in the university where I was working. But not just that, also there were different uh, professors that were harassing and abusing women inside of the university. And so I was not the only person doing this. Uh, there were a group of uh, women that we were all holding together to talk about these topics. But I think that one of the main issues was that I was kind of more public because I have different platforms in Spanish. I have different social media where I'm uploading YouTube videos and I'm uploading uh, different notes and articles and so on. And so I was uh, a little bit more uh, nude let's say. And so I think that uh, that was why uh, I was the one that uh, got uh, this big um, uh, harassment. Uh, but it, it was like a really big problem because there was some point where some of these professors were asking students uh, to 
be all together like in this same group to talk about me on Facebook or something like that. So it became like a very nasty situation and it was something that escalated so quick because I was receiving this uh, amount of messages every single day and uh, I was asked to be sued by uh, people in a petition in change platform because of what I was doing, because that was putting on risk uh, some people that was selling animals. And also because uh, there were, were was like a, really a lot of men just mad because I remember that I was counting uh, all of these people, all of, all of these accounts, and 99% of them were men. The messages were there all the time. And so what I did on that point is that I realized that I I couldn't be that uh, strong activist the hundred percent of the time, and I I did uh, had to call for my family for a psychologist to try to do something about this. And so something that I also did was uh, I called the police, and so we began a whole process about this. And it's difficult because it was hundreds and thousands of persons or users in, in, in Facebook because you don't even know if that's one single person or, or what. It's uh, social media. So it's so hard just to know. Mm -hmm. And all of these, all of these like hundred, hundreds and thousands of or hundreds of messages were all like threats to you and just negative like hurt hurtful harassment yeah so it, it was like that so it was really difficult because also I was receiving a lot of positive feedback from women that were telling me keep on going thank you so much for speaking up and it was just time that somebody talk about these topics so in one hand I was feeling like so uh, okay, I need to keep on doing this, but on the other hand, uh, I was feeling overwhelmed with everything. And so I called for the police, I started a process there, and so it became something that I wish that didn't have happen ever in my life, but it, it's there. It's something that I just can't disappear. So I was giving um, panic bottom and a lot of uh, measurements for my security that right now, it seems like I was kind of living a Hollywood uh, movie or something, but well, it is what it is. And so I was asked by uh, some people from the Animal Safe Movement to tell my story and to talk about this because it could be very empowering for a lot of uh, women to hear about these stories. And also uh, because some people, some men might be benefit from listening to these realities. And so when I hear this, I thought that this was amazing. And so even though I was feeling uh, not so sure if I want to say my story public and everything, I did because I thought, okay, so this is going to help more people. And so it was this video, a four minute video, just like you said, it was talking first about the all of these uh, protesting and manifestations that we were holding on Latin America against misogyny. I was also talking about uh, what's happening in Mexico, because in Mexico, every single day, there's 29,000 women raped. And every single day, we have 10 uh, feminicides. So this is something that we need to 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 say to the world and the world need to know this you know i'm always uh, listening about these horrible stories of what's going on with violence against women in turkey against black people in the states against uh, a lot of people you know everywhere but if you just see the numbers the numbers that are happening here for women here in mexico it's so overwhelming it's it's a lot and they just want us to keep silent and no one wants us to, to say what we are feeling even. Because one thing is to know that this is happening, but other thing is that every single one of my friends in Mexico, that we are women, we are all afraid of going outside of our houses. And, and that's the way they want us to be, right? But that's what's happening. And so I talk about this in the video. And I said that uh, it's also this feeling of, looking at them, at them 
men that they are always uh, making fun of us and they are always bullying us. And if ever you say publicly and out loud that you are feminist, then you're going to be a woman that it's going to be constantly bullied and harassed. And so I was talking about that and um, I received this feedback of people from Animal Safe saying uh, it was just a couple of persons that they didn't want me to say what I was saying because I used this uh, phrase where I said that uh, men, they just don't want to see us happy because I was talking about the way that I was feeling. It's like they just want us to feel afraid all the time. They just want us to be quiet all the time. And so uh, suddenly there was uh, some people discussing my video, discussing my perspective, discussing my life in these groups uh, to say that, well, not all men, you know? And for me, wow, yeah. yeah. Hashtag so for me, men. that's nope. really so disrespectful. And it's just so out of context. It is. Like, you, I know it's different what is happening for women in the States, for women in Europe, for women in uh, different places. What I'm saying is that uh, just because our countries and our regions are different, it doesn't mean that it's not uh, a worldwide problematic to, to talk about misogyny. And also, I think that if you are privileged enough to ever haven't uh, experienced this kind of violence, you shouldn't be trying to shut down the, the experience of somebody else, you know? And so it was really something so horrible because I remember that I was in this meeting of the video team with people from Animal Safe and we were mostly women and we were mostly people from Latin America and we were all so happy with the video that we did all together. And so there was just this person, this man that was not okay with the video. And then I, I heard that his partner uh, was the one that was talking shit about me on this diversity and inclusion meeting. So it's so, so... Uh, I don't know, like, uh, how can this be something that is happening in a diversity and inclusion meeting, you know? Yes, I know. I was, I was on that call when this video came up and it was talking about this. And this one woman who you're talking about had said that, you know, she was very uncomfortable to come forward and say, to put words into her mouth, not all men kind of thing. And I, I didn't know anything about this. And then I um, saw the video, saw the original video. And then I saw the one where you had to, where you were asked to edit it or it wouldn't go up. And it's just so baffling to me that, pardon me, that is why I kind of stayed on with the SAVE movement this year, because there was this diversity and inclusion working group that started up. And I was so freaking excited and so like, yes. Uh, perhaps I was a little delusional <laughs> in thinking that, okay, I'm going to stay on. I want to help elevate these voices and create change and, you know, set an example for these other organizations for what needs to be done. And it can't be just like on surface tokenizing level, like we are going to do this work to be able to make it a part of the Animal Save movement because it's the right thing to do. But then hearing that this happened, I was just flabbergasted that you were silenced. And when I watched the video, like it was obvious that you were talking from your perspective. You were telling your story. You weren't, it wasn't, hi, I am the Animal Save Movement and this is how I feel about all men. Like it wasn't, it was so obviously your story. And the fact that it got put on hold and put on the shelf and, you know, a couple months went by, wasn't it? Because you had wanted to get it out right away so that it would keep up the momentum from all the events that were happening in March. But it didn't get rolled out until you edited it, until everything was, you know, to their standards um, until a couple months later when it just kind of lost its... Yes, um, yeah, I that's guess. right. So uh, we wanted it to be launched on March the 8th because that's the International Women's Day. 
And so we did actually two versions of this video. We did one in Spanish that was launched without any problems at all. Even uh, the, the contrary, on the contrary, people were so happy because we were standing this and we, we were uh, talking about this topic on an animal liberation organization. So uh, we have like the, the opposite uh, response, a very good one, very positive. But on the other hand, with the global version, so I was asked to either uh, I could keep on arguing. And so let's see when this is going to be launched. Or I was told to change a couple of my words. And so I did. It's not what I wanted to do. But on my mind, on that moment, I just wanted to have one of our testimonies out and let uh, ourselves to use our voices so more people could listen to them. And so what I did was to erase that small sentence and to say something else that people was okay with that. So I was asked to change like five different sentences, but I didn't. I just changed that one where, where I was saying men don't want to see us happy. But also, even though if we are talking about different contexts, uh, this is something that we need to talk about because when we are talking about what it's a majority and what it's a generalization of something, uh, we also need to respect that, even though it might be something that hurt uh, a few persons. So it's a majority uh, that men are the ones that are raping women. So it's a majority as well that men are the ones that are killing women. So why can't we just say that? we should be able to say that. And that's what I was seeing on the video. So it's not like every single time that I want to talk about uh, what's happening with racism or what's happening with ableism or any other type of violence, I have to say, well, but not everybody. I didn't have to say that, you know? So why should I uh, have to be so uh, considerate of men when I'm talking about women, you know? So that's misogyny once again. Wow, yeah, that's that was a big one for me. And there were like multiple things that went on um, for me with regards to being a part of this diversity and inclusion group and just seeing what's going on behind the scenes within the animal save movement. But also you just know that this is the same that happens in all of these big groups and um it's all it's all part of like this whole taking over and branding and um i watched this youtube video from the food empowerment project where lauren ornelis who is one of the founders talked um at the animal rights national conference in 2019 and she was talking about, this is the first time she talked about how she was uncomfortable with chapters because the Food Empowerment Project, um, they had one chapter in Washington and they um, she was not feeling super comfortable about it because she feels that um, they replicate colonization. And so... That is something that's really interesting and curious to me. Um, she said, chapters are stifling this movement and they are restricting creativity and they are limiting what we can do as activists. And it's just, it feels like all of these big organizations are taking this structure that they have, this, you know, this, you know, vigils and do this this way and do this this way and implementing it in all of these different countries all over the world and not giving these activists creativity rights or any kind of thing to kind of focus in on what's happening for them locally. Case in point, what happened with your video and how you're wanting to share more about what's going on locally and in your community in your activist community with regards to misogyny and women and keeping them safe. It's all just a big hot mess. And I don't know if there is any hope in changing. Like I had, I have, I was with the Save Movement for three and a half, almost four years. And I am so grateful for a lot of um, the experiences that I have and had. But 
just this past year, I'm things that were going on within and on the outside, on the surface level, were just not aligning with where I wanted to be and what I'd wanted to be doing. It's really unfortunate because I just see more and I hear more about people not being comfortable and not feeling uh, safe in those spaces. And it's really, it's really sad and disheartening. Yeah, uh, it's a really sad topic for me, you know, because uh, I was in the safe movement just for one year and I spent uh, like really grateful moments because I was doing a tour inside of my country. So I got to meet a lot of people, a lot of activists to to get active together, to 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 start new projects together. So it was so beautifully but because the problem is not with the grassroots it's not with the people that it's actually doing the actions they are all just fabulous uh, activists so the problem is the the structure yes and so that's what i want to talk about more because i think that the problematic here is that really just like you said before uh the problematic is that the structure it's a colonization structure and that it's just tokenizing people that it's different. Because what I have seen as well is that they're so proud to be these organizations that are so inclusive and so diverse, but it's not. It's pretty much uh, a lot of white people, some Latin people, and a couple of black folks, and a couple of uh, different persons from Asia, and that's it. And so, what I have seen is that they they just want everybody to to be in the picture so that the picture looks like we we do have people from different parts of the world. But it's not like that. And also because even though it's like that, whenever it's time to take a decision, if you say what you think it's uh, correct, if you say your opinion, you might not get on the poll of the decision because you're not that important. So that's the problem here. And so for me, it was like uh, something uh, hard to to understand in the beginning, because when I was called to be part of Animal Safe, and I want to say this straight because I didn't went to Animal Safe. Animal Safe came to me and they asked me to be part of it because they knew what I was doing in my country. They knew that what I have been doing for a long time. And so they asked me to be part of it. And that's the reason why I say, okay, I might be able to help and to learn something from this. So I started and ever since the first time I was uh, asked to help people to have more autonomy, to help people to, to understand the importance of being creative and creating uh, different groups and so on and so I was okay with that because that's what I I have been doing for a very long time I have always been well maybe not always but for the last years I have been working on a basis of anarchy of being anti-oppressive of being anti-colonization type of uh, activities so uh, and I'm so I have been doing intersectional activism for a long time. And so that was what people from Animal Safe asked me to do. They told me, well, we're not doing that, but we surely want that. So if you could uh, tell us more and bring that here, that would be awesome. So I started to do some trainings. I started to create different types of um, of contents that are multi-format, not just always the same. And I try to do things differently and to... Uh, make people feel comfortable because that's the main thing for me always that if you ever worked with me you know that we are always working like if we are just a group of friends and we are all together and you don't have to agree with me and I don't have to say okay this is okay Uh, it's okay for everybody to say it's okay or not like we're all equal so that's what I was trying to do but the problematic is that this is not what is happening on the inside so Whenever I was trying to say why I was not okay with something, I did uh, saw that I was not taking on the same consideration like everybody else, even though I used to be the coordinator of the Climate Safe uh, Worldwide campaigns, you know. But even though I felt like uh, I knew that I was kind of one of the VIPs, but (laughs) I was not holding any type of... uh, respect for what I was trying to create as a community 
Like it was okay if I was creating campaigns for the global um, team. It was okay if I was creating content for the global team. But if I was creating campaigns or anything else that was not for the global team, not for the people in Canada, but for the people here in Mexico or in Latin America, I was not uh, being clapped for that, you know? <laughs> like it was something that I was not uh, doing as important as other things. And so for me, that's just not okay. It's not okay to treat that way people. And unfortunately, uh, or for fortunately not, <laughs> I have a lot of friends in in animal safe. Like uh, I have no enemies, you know, <laughs> every single person that I work uh, with there are my friends. And so fortunately they have been talking to me uh, ever since I started uh, working there, but also they have still been talking to me now that I'm not there. And unfortunately, what they have been saying to me, it's just horrific, is that uh, the people in India doesn't feel like they are taken in consideration. People from Latin America feel so exploited. People from Australia feel that they are not considered like they exist. So this is something that is happening all around the globe because the structure, it's what it's not okay. So it's just a couple of persons deciding of what we should everybody else do. And we are not giving that autonomy of solving problems as a community. Because also, if you as community decide that there's this toxic person and you don't want he or, sh or she to be part of the organization anymore, the human resources is going to tell you, well, we can't take this person out because that wouldn't be inclusive, you know? So you just have to stick with that. <laughs> so what? <laughs> yeah, and the the small group of folks that are, I think, three that are the head of HR are also like a couple of them are involved in all sorts of other different facets with within working groups and the diversity and inclusion and all sorts of things, which is such a conflict of interest because if you have a problem with one of those people, then you go to HR to talk to talk about that to put in a complaint, and it just gets met with um, defensiveness and well, nothing and no response, right? Because that has happened in the past, and there are favorites. And if you're in if you're in the VIP like group, then you're safe. In the diversity and inclusion group, like I kept kind of holding my hand up, kind of being like, well, I don't know about that. Like what that, you know, and because I kept seeing what was happening was not at the level or what I thought the diversity and inclusion group should be doing. And I just was met with people would kind of, you know, placate me, but it was definitely not I was I was frowned upon, and I have heard, like you've said, um, from folks who were in those diversity and inclusion calls, like women of color, who didn't feel comfortable to even ask questions because they knew that they would be met with divisiveness or whatever it might be. And to me, that is not at all okay. Like that is beyond messed up. I just don't know where to go from here. Well, I've left save, so I did go. <laughs> but um, as far as like what to do next with regards to, you know, animal animal rights, any kind of organization, like how once these organizations get so big, how can this this sort of thing be remedied? Like, I don't know, honestly, if it can be, because it's all about branding and getting bigger and once things are so big how do you how do you like step back yeah. from that I'm not I have sure. a couple of suggestions <laughs> oh please yeah. oh my sweet Polly so I think uh, there's a couple of needs so first of all we need to understand what's happening and so understand that uh, everybody is just trying to do what they think it's the best it's not like even these people that we are seeing are on this VIP um, groups, it's like trying to just uh, hurt somebody because they are not. They're not trying to do that. It's just that they are not as well educated as they should on these topics. So it's not like everybody is just uh, trying to hurt somebody else. It's just that they are undereducated. So they need to be more educated on 
intersectionality on how am I using the privileges that I have? Because I think that that's the main problem here, that people is not realizing the fact that they have privileges because of their skin color, because of the country they are living, because of the family they were born in. So people need to realize that they have all of these privileges. And now that you are able to see that, you need to step away from those privileges. Because if you're not doing that, you are just repeating oppression. And so people need to understand that talking about animal liberation, talking about animal rights, also mean to talk about human rights. Because the one that we are fighting for that, we are humans. And so we need to have all of our rights uh, to be the same for everybody. And not just in our own countries and in our own contexts. But on this uh, fair context uh, where we are all together, maybe working via Zoom or via Slack or whatever it is. So we need to create these communities that are places of respect. Because also I think that it's just not enough to call safe spaces. Because to call safe spaces would mean to talk about uh, violences out there. So this is a safe space. It's an oasis. But... We are not trying to create oases. We are trying to create a world where we are all holding the same rights. And for that, we need to understand what is happening on the inside and on the outside. And because of that, I also think that it's so important to understand that the problematic, it's not just this uh, group of people or this structure, because they are just repeating what they are experiencing outside like in this political and social system you know and so that's why if we are not okay on the way that animals are being used and on the way that uh, people is being used and on the fact that everything it's a product in this system well we need to stop then as well to make a product a person to tokenize a person to think that they are what they are bringing to the organization because they are not people has value just because they are alive because they, they are people you know and so that's the thing that I, I i'm looking at a lot of people working in these organizations that are experiencing burnout that are experiencing a lot of different problematics emotionally physically because of this amount of job as well that it's being asked from them and that's just because this structure of the organizations are repeating the capitalistic way of living, of asking everybody just to do more and more and more and more. And of course, you're going to get born out. And of course, you're going to be uh, not okay and not happy with what you are doing. And this is going to create situations where people are fighting all of the time. So of course, there's conflicts because people is not happy. So this is something that needs to be different. Yeah, no, I definitely agree too that um, it feels like with the diversity and inclusion that's come into the Animal Save movement, it's all about like on the outside doing these workshops or, you know, making sure that the social media is diverse and it's very tokenizing um, and all of that kind of stuff. What really needs to happen in my opinion is training and all of this anti-racism anti-sexism like any kind of internal work that needs to be done trainings to the organizers to all of the folks within animal safe movement because then it will just naturally flow down out into the work that they do and the work that we do um, once we have that knowledge and we acknowledge our own internal biases because you're right we've been raised in this society that is sexist that is misogynist that is racist that is all of these things so accepting these privileges and these biases that we have and then moving forward is really what needs to be done within these organizations and Another piece that you were just touching on about burnout is that especially the animal safe movement, and of course, they're doing amazing things. And I I've, I love the time that I was with, but I, I was really confused and shocked by the fact that there wasn't any kind of activist support, like a true, true support network or program or anything for the activists, the attendees, as well as the organizers who are you know, the Animal Save Movement has been for the past 10 years, I think, been about bearing witness and vigils. 
and there hasn't been any kind of activist support program, you know, self-care or whatever it might be um, up until just recently. They're asking folks to like self-traumatize themselves by bearing witness and over and over and over again without any aftercare with that. And that to me was like, I kind of was walking along like, ah, da, 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 I'll just shove shove my feelings down after every vigil that I bore witness and, you know, go go to work or do whatever. But then finally, I it kind of hit me and I, I you know, I did burn out and I realized that, whoa, this is really fucking intense what we're doing. And especially, especially because we let the trucks go. That psychologically and not, you know, saving the animals is messes with us, especially being like animal rights activists and wanting to save the animals. And I know that you were part of that group to start up the activist support network that is that is happening right now and is doing really great things and having support calls and all of that. So that's really rad, but it's just too bad that it's so late in coming yeah. Yeah, to the totally. forefront. Yeah, I also think that uh, it's so important to have these trainings, just like you were saying, but mostly for coordinators and for people that it's uh, like on the top, let's say, because there should not be anyone on the top, but since that's the structure that they have, then people should be able to know how to treat other people, how to have community, because all of this is just to trying to increase uh, better relationships between all of us and to have respect to all of our qualities uh, being so diverse, you know. And so that's why I also think that having all of these trainings is an, an uh, activity that it's supposed to to hold support for the activists as well. And I think that it's so important to to understand this. I, I know that I had been talking about having an activist support group for a really long time, ever since day one, ever since I started in, in Animal Safe, because that's something that I have been doing for a very long time here in Mexico. Like I hold at least uh, two or three different activities per week for activists to be able to know how to take care of themselves because we still have to understand that we are humans. So if we are humans, we are going to have emotions, you know, and we need to know how to cope with that. And we need to know how to not feel so tired and how to take care of you and how not to be so uh, disoriented and feeling depressed because it seems like espacism is something that it's going every single second of the day and so you need to know how to have all of these tools and these strategies in order for you to be a person that is thriving but also in order for you to be able to keep on going and doing activism and so this is so important and this is something that I think it's the the second part of what I think might be helpful for us to change what's happening <laughs> so I think that uh, we still need to understand a lot of what anarchy means, because anarchy means that we are living in a way where we are not trying to force anybody to do anything just because we have power. So that's the meaning, actually, of the word anarchy. You know, if you go deep on the, the etymology, you're going to find out that anarchy means just without power. And so what the practices that we anarchists are trying to do, are trying to create, is just to understand that not because I have this privilege, not because I have this voice, not because I can do it, I will. And so that's how you just are able to, to end with oppression. So we need people to understand that not because you're a man, you can do this to women, not because you're human, you can do this to non-human animals and so forth and so on. And so I think this is something that we also need to understand as organizations, because once you understand that you are working in a community and there's so different people working with you, then you are going to be able to understand that not all of them are going to be like you. So there's going to be introverted people there's going to be people that might have more time to invest on the activism, but that doesn't mean that the introverted uh, or the people that it's not put, uh, putting all of the, their time on this are not doing exactly the same valuable job as you are. So that's something that we also need to understand, because if we are not doing this, then we are doing a capitalization of the activism once again. And so... We really need to get to know more of the persons, 
of who is that person that is uh, on the other side of the screen that is talking to me and helping me to do this design or helping me to create this and that. And so that way, when we are friends, when we are really taking care of the other person, we're actually holding a good and safe and healthy community. And that's what we all need to create these healthy communities. So what I have been trying to do is that, of course, there's going to be a lot of uh, mistakes because I'm human. But what I have been trying to do is that just to create communities where we are all friends and we all know each other and the names of our cats and the names of uh, our parents and, you know, that, that kind of things that might be important for a person. So that way it's not like, hey, I need you to do this by 2 p.m. tomorrow. It's more of, hey, how are you going and how's your cat? And then we can talk about other things that are not that important. Because that's the other thing that we need to understand, that we are important, not just because we are activists, but because we exist. And we're, we shouldn't be saying... Uh, you just need to uh, put your happy smile and pretend that it's not happening, these problematics, because you are doing this for the animals. I hate when people say that. Because the thing is then, yeah, and then where are you? And then what are you? Uh, how are you? And what are you doing? And you are just uh, letting other people to run, run through you, run over you, to, to, to do horrible things to you and to others. And so we shouldn't be... Uh, indifferent to anything, to any kind of oppression. So we shouldn't be indifferent to the oppression that we are experiencing from other person inside of an activism group as well. Yeah, no, and it is like there is that narrative of um, within animal rights of if someone is doing amazing things, like is an undercover investigator or does amazing things for the animals, but if they say something racist or sexist or if they, you know, do something that is problematic, then it's just frowned upon to bring that up because, oh, but they're, they do so much for the animals so they can have some bad bits. And it's just like, no, we can't. We need to hold folks accountable and we need to help hold ourselves accountable for all of these things that are that are going on, whether we are doing them and making mistakes or we see others, it's important to call it out or call it in, whatever. We need to just keep having these conversations to try to do better and help other folks to see see these things and for them to eventually do better as yeah. well. Yeah, totally agree. So for me, I think that the lesson here and my conclusion to everything that I've experienced on Animal Safe, it's uh, and not just with Animal Safe. I mean, uh, Anonymous for the Voiceless is having as well some um, horrible. Yes, when I was looking for when I was looking when I was looking for a photo of you, I saw in your Instagram feed the cutest photo of you with a little tiny bunny. <laughs> And you were wearing an yeah. anonymous for the voice. Yes, I used to be part of that group as well. I stopped like more than a year ago. Uh, when I started doing activism with Animal Safe, I stopped doing activism with Anonymous for the Voiceless because uh, I was actually sexually abused for uh, by a person in that uh, collective. And when I speak up and when I said what was happening, I was told, oh, you know, um, if you can say this to a policeman and they believe you and you have a case against him, then we might do something because he's a very good activist. And so, oh. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So when, exactly. when that happened, Fuck. I talked and I speak out loud with the people that was part of uh, that chapter. And so they hold me back. They They were really really good with me they were just backing me up that's what i tried to say they were backing me up and they asked him not to be part of that chapter anymore but that decision was something that they took like uh on their own chapter because the the ones that were like the original license let's say of latin america and the people that were part of that uh head let's say, of Anonymous for the Voiceless, told me directly that they did not believe me. And so it was just my problem. And so that was the last time I activated with them. And I would never, never <laughs> activate again with 
any organization that it's just um, having people that it's harassing others and that it's not uh, helping out other people. And so that's part of the lesson, because I think that uh, we need to be consistent uh, on being anti-oppressive and to understanding that the problem here is not to liberate animals. The problem here is not to stop the climate crisis. The problem here is not to stop misogyny. The problem is to stop oppression, any kind of it. Oppression to the planet, oppression to kids, oppression to women, oppression to animals, oppression to anyone. So that's why uh, we need to do uh, activism for total, total liberation. And that's it, not to any other kind of activism, I think, because if we are really segmenting ourselves, then we're going to find a lot of incongruencies. <laughs> and then we're going to uh, stop really being part of the solutions and we are just going to be trying to create a better tiny part of the world just for someone, but not for all of us. And so uh, for me, that has been one of the biggest lessons because uh, I had been doing this uh, total liberation activism and uh, intersectional activism for a very long time. But for the last years, I started working with um, animal liberation organizations more. And so... What I have seen is that even though uh, we might be a very big movement that it's doing really amazing things, uh, a lot of these people, they're not just vegan, but they're as well anti-oppressive um, people, uh, we are holding still a lot of violent guys and there's a lot of misogyny inside of these places. Yes. We'll, t we'll take it all yeah. down together, okay, Polly? Okay. I actually, we've been, Polly and I have been chatting a lot over these past couple months, five months, six months, whatever it might be. We haven't known each other too long, um, but I feel like I've known you forever. And <laughs> yeah, and my goodness, I hadn't like fully heard the full story around what's happened with you in in Mexico with regards to the harassment and I'm really grateful and honored that you shared that with me and with everyone listening <laughs> um, and I'm so grateful for you and as I'm sure are the animals and all the humans because you are doing incredible incredible important loud work and I know that you're not going to stop. Oh, you're so adorable. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for all of your kind words. And I do want to say thank you as well for uh, all of the people that it's listening. Because if you're listening to this, I'm sure that it is because uh, you are fighting for a better world. You are fighting to, to have more rights for all of the people, all of the animals, um, all of these sentient beings that we are in this planet so i i'm really so grateful that we are experiencing this momentum on the planet where there's just a lot of activists out there uh, it doesn't matter what type of activism you are doing thank you so much if you're an, an activist whatever you are doing it's important and i think that's pretty much the message here that it doesn't matter what type of activism you're doing it doesn't matter if you're doing it an, an organization or alone, if you're doing it online, if you're doing it on the streets, it's just so important to keep bringing these conversations about uh, not being oppressive, about liberation, about being more radical and understanding the way that we can live without being stepping into other people's uh, rights and other and well, when I mean people, I mean also people that it's not people uh, of this species. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that uh, that's pretty much uh, for me uh, the goal, just to be able to be uh, a vehicle, perhaps, and uh, just to try to keep on talking about this stuff, because also I'm that kind of person that really likes to talk. So <laughs> it comes easy for me. But <laughs> so thank you so much, Mac, for inviting me here. And I'm so excited of being part of this beautiful project. And I'm sure that it's just going to keep on getting better and better. And there it is. All done. Episode one. Thank you so much for listening.
Please do follow Polly and her work on Instagram, which I realize I cannot pronounce her handle, but um, I will share all of those, her website, YouTube, and Instagram in the show notes, as well as any links we discussed. Feedback and all the things are welcome, whether on social media or you can also privately email me at RadicalizeTheRoots at gmail.com. And until next time, keep digging up those roots and do the work.